Real estate is one of the only asset classes that works for you while you are sleeping. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. And I tell you, we've got the Rubik's Cube of code cracking today. We're going to delve into some deep ideas around the future sustainability of property investment. I really want to coach and guide you through a journey of understanding Australia and also uncovering areas to invest and of course areas to avoid when it comes to being a property investor. This podcast is really going to uncover some critical information as to the what, where, how and why of real estate. Today we're going to ask one big question. Will real estate grow into the future? And it is a massive conversation piece because there are narratives out in the community that growth has reached its zenith. And of course, with real estate property values as high as they are in many neighbourhoods, it could be argued that growth certainly will plateau. Have we seen the last of capital growth for many years? What does the market have in store for property investors? Ultimately, how can we make money in real estate now we live in an age of complete disruption? Let's stop and go over some disruption right now. Ultimately, we have coronavirus, which is really impacting everything. I think a lot of people are frustrated with the corona economic dynamic. I feel like my dog is frustrated from the corona economic dynamic. I think she's sick of me working from home constantly, would actually love me to go back to the office. Corona economics and the idea of how we live, work and play are morphing. We've got other major impacts, not just black swan events like coronavirus. We've had green swan events like the start of the year with bushfires. We have the digitalization of the world economy. We have the fourth industrial revolution. All of these are impacting how the future viability of capital growth will unfold for property investors. Sustainability of future investing is really what today is about. And when we analyse sustainability, and I'm a student of the English language, and if we were to break down the word sustainability, I think most people really link the idea of sustainability with some sort of mechanism to do with the environment or the green space industry. But sustainability actually means the ability to sustain or undergo or even suffer for a long period of time. 
And if we look at real estate investment, we have to really start to make some business decisions. Can real estate actually grow in value? Will it have the ability to continue to suffer but actually rise up into the future? Is it actually a sustainable asset class for wealth creation? Now, I'm a big component, uh, proponent of teaching people to get to the 1% club. And as I've previously discussed, the 1% club is a massive uh, club to get into. People who join the 1% club have four, five, six, seven properties which pay them passive income to live the life that they want. So if I'm starting out on a journey today or I'm in my 30s or my 40s or my 50s, all of a sudden I'm having a realisation that potentially what I wake up and do every day, go to work and exchange my time for money, is not going to lead to a financial outcome. It's actually spending money, but it's not money that is going to passively work for me. And let's face it, a job is a great thing. We all need a job and property investors can't get ahead being a property investor. You can't borrow money without a job. Simply put, you need to keep your job. But your job does not pay you in your sleep. Real estate is one of the only asset classes that works for you while you are sleeping. Any given day, my wealth is rising while I go and have a snooze. For many property investors, this is the same thing. It's either rising in the form of capital growth or in the form of rental growth. Now, the idea of sustainability or the ability for real estate to continue to suffer and actually pop out the other end and survive and be worth more than what you've paid for it is very much under threat. We live in an interesting period of time, a period of time where the environment is changing. Pandemics are now the new thing. So how do we make sure we're going to buy a property which is going to ultimately get further and better growth? Can we just buy anything or do we actually need to rule out certain real estate so that we don't get caught in the situation where we're buying something which cannot sustainably grow any further. Now, a lot of people misunderstand real estate. A lot of people will use big comments, broad statements, and I'm a real uh, advocate of drilling down into the real data. Broad statements do no one any good. I'll give you an example of a broad statement. Should I buy real estate in Brisbane? It's a completely broad statement. The better question to ask, the better dynamic to explore is what part of Brisbane is ultimately going to be worth more in value into the future? What part of Brisbane, what property, what street, what neighbourhood, what type of person in Brisbane 
is going to grow in the economy of the future? These are quality questions. Should I buy in Brisbane? Not such a quality question. We need to drill into what is really happening within the framework of society. There is an economic puzzle which property investors need to really continue to explore. And really, the belief around finding wealth for real estate is, from real estate is possible for everybody. But I can tell you the problem with real estate today is rising inequality. It's not about incomes solely. It's about the high cost of real estate. It's about the fact that many people have woken up, and coronavirus has really highlighted this, most Australians are broke. How broke are they is really the measurement. And should I be buying real estate in a marketplace which has a lot of inequality when it comes to the idea of people are ultimately struggling in many parts of Australia. Now, a lot of people are the complete opposite to Struggle Street. And one argument or one narrative which is unfolding is the idea that we should own real estate where people are not on Struggle Street so our rents and property can grow in value. So here's the real conversation piece. We have a shrinking middle class in Australia and we ultimately have a need for more affordable properties. If we have a shrinking middle class, we are actually seeing the ability for people to actually... Uh, continue to earn higher wages, continue to grow further in their life. And even though we are in the lowest cash rate marketplace in the history of Australia, people are still unable to leave the rental pool and become homeowners. This is a real challenge. Now, we are entering a period in Australia where more people will be renters for life. The rise of the renter is big. Now, this is fantastic news for property investors because ultimately our business as property investors is the business of renting properties to tenants. However, what if the tenant market is being split in two groups? What if the tenant market is lifestyle tenants who can pay more money for the right property in any given time, and people who are fundamentally broke. The two types of tenant markets are ultimately unfolding here in Australia. See, we can study our cities and we can study the stress of properties and the lowest income quartile of people. Let's take a city like Cairns, for example. Cairns is a beautiful city in far north Queensland, but Cairns is riddled with low-income earners. 
In fact, 42% of people in Cairns earn the least amount of money under the guidelines of uh, economics. So they are low-income earners. 42% of that city is fundamentally one to two weeks away from not having enough money to continue. If they lose their job, they're broke. If their car breaks down, they're broke. If they uh, have any wobble at all, they are challenged, 42%. In fact, not much of Cairns has uh, high-income people. Only a small area is ultimately very, very wealthy. We see this city is an inequitable city. It is designed for people who are ultimately um, struggling. And you're seeing a correlation of that struggle with real estate values. So real estate isn't going up because there's not enough money and pressure on wages in that city and people are ultimately struggling to survive. So the lesson here is, of course, we're looking for not inequitable or marketplaces which are full of inequity. We're actually looking for equitable real estate marketplaces. The polar opposite is inequality. Inequality equals inequity. Inequity means real estate won't go up in value. Equity means real estate can go up in value. So in real estate markets, we have equitable and inequitable marketplaces. Inequitable markets are fundamentally areas where people are on struggle street, so how are they going to pay more for each other's properties in equitable real estate marketplaces as opposed to equitable real estate marketplaces? So let's go back to the question around sustainability, the ability to grow over the long term, to suffer but get to the end, sustainability. Is real estate sustainable? Will it grow? Well, it will grow in equitable markets. Taking cans, for example, 42% of cans is inequitable. It's not going to grow. 58% is equitable. It could grow. But overall, you've got a lot of inequity. And if you look at even the next pace of wage above the lowest income quartile, we are seeing in cans, for example, not a lot of uh, wealth. And that wealth really does hold back the property values. Conversely, when you go to the bigger cities like Sydney and Melbourne, you do see the wealth extremes and the idea that those markets have suburbs in them which can grow because they are equitable real estate marketplaces. Now, Australia has created what I call the pensioner economy. The pensioner economy is really the default future for most Australians. Most Aussies are going to end up on the pension, and it's a little bit sad to say, but really I've devoted my whole life to helping people not 
end up on the pension. But the pension today is $36,000 per annum. $36,000 per annum. But get this, $36,000 per annum per couple. So a couple, assuming they make it to over age 65, retire in Australia with $36,000 paid to them. Now, I don't know about you, but that would probably last me the best part of half a year in spending. It's not a lot of money. It's not enough to go around. Now, assuming you own your own house, the pension economy is really a needs-based economy. It's I need food, I need shelter, that's about it. So for all of us, we need to invest because the alternative, quite frankly, is Struggle Street. And Struggle Street does not work for me. Struggle Street should not work for you. And I'm going to bring it back. If you've listened to past episodes, you don't want to be holidaying at Lake Guido. You want to be holidaying in a pretty good spot. You want to be at Threadbow. You want to be in Queenstown. You want to go to Fiji. You don't want to spend your time at Lake Guido. So, we know society is now being split in two. We are seeing the have and have not society at work. Remember cans. 42% of cans is a have not marketplace. 58% is a have marketplace or a just have marketplace. So here's my thoughts of the ideal investment. The ideal investment property is one that will rent quickly, have a low vacancy rate, give you a good rental return, rarely be unoccupied over the longer term, and during occupation actually have tenants that can sustain rental increases. Now, don't miss the value bomb here. Vacancy rate low, high returns to begin with, occupancy rate that is, you know, long-term tenants, and rental increases, the ability to sustain rent increases. Now, why is this important? Well, Rent increases are actually your future to getting out of the rat race. And if you invest in a property in an inequitable or an area which is built around inequality, ultimately your rents will not rise as fast as equitable marketplaces where society in those marketplaces can sustain rental increases. Now, here's the challenge for property investors. Property investors are not spending typically a million, two million, three million dollars to buy investment real estate. Property investors are spending 300, 400, 500, 600 thousand dollars. And what that creates is a natural flow-on effect of buying real estate in areas which are inequitable, have inequality. And of course, with that inequality becomes a slower rate of return because ultimately people are on struggle street to meet 
their daily obligations. The alternative is to avoid Struggle Street. The alternative is to actually invest in equitable marketplaces. What we want to end up with is real estate which grows in value. But here's the value bomb. The rents grow in value quickly. Why is this important? It means you're out of the rat race. Give up that day job you hate. We were all socially engineered to take on jobs we actually don't like. And for most people, they are looking for this mythical thing called passive income. They are looking for a course that allows them to replace their income in two weeks. The amount of people who buy an Amazon course on how to trade uh, in the digital world who never follow through with doing anything on online stores is astronomical. Here's the thing. If you want to live off passive income, buy some real estate. Here's the next thing to do. If you want to live off passive income, don't buy real estate where your tenants are half a week away from being broke. Buy real estate where you can put the rent up. Now, Roy Morgan have a great persona system where they've got literally over 100 different types of personas here in Australia. A persona, if you don't know what that is, is just the characteristics of a human. And ultimately, we can study that certain marketplaces which are inequitable actually have personas of people which are really budget livers, they feel hard done by, they feel like they got the raw deal, and ultimately, they are not aspirational people that you're going to be able to put the rent up. They're actually going to argue, poor me, don't do it to me, I can't afford any more. And ultimately, at some point, you can't replace those people with a better version of them in an inequitable marketplace. Inequality is real. And avoid it like the plague. There are inequality mapping. You can find this if you search hard enough you can look at the uh, you can look at the income profile of neighborhoods and it's something I teach my team to do. I want good incomes because good incomes equals rent increases rent increases equals either more properties in your portfolio or actually means you're getting out of the rat race sooner. So we want people who as tenants who want to get ahead, have a prosperous future, have a, uh, uh, an ability to hunt trends and influence their own life. We want lifestyle seekers, experience seekers as tenants. Now, there are all sorts of reports by government on inequality. Probably of recent times, you could link to the Productivity Commissioner's research paper, vulnerability of, of private renters, a government report in understanding what is going on out there. And here is what is happening, people. The rise of the broke renter is real. The rise of the broke renter is real. A person who has no money in the kitty, 
They are your tenant. Your property manager has done nothing wrong to put them in the opportunity to be your tenant. It is society itself. Here's the challenge. One thing breaks, their world breaks, they affect you. What if we were to say that your wealth is tied up to your tenants? Is that a scary notion? Is that something which will mess with your head? Your wealth is tied up to your tenant. So whoever you choose as a tenant is actually a reflection of what your wealth will be. Now think of it like that, that all of a sudden your place in society is actually reliant upon people you rent properties to. That is absolutely amazing because I want to rent properties to the right people that have growth. But as we know, here's the real crux of the situation. Owner-occupiers are dropping. People buying real estate as homeowners is falling away. And we have the rise of the private renter. The private renter is a fastest growing property person in Australia. In other words, home buyers aren't the fastest, it's actually renters which are the fastest. All of a sudden, we are seeing that even in those numbers, the rise of the low income private renter is huge. Huge. It's if you see the charts, I'm talking almost vertical growth of broke renters joining the rental marketplace. Simply put, you don't want your wealth tied up with this persona. Now, to give you a real insight from some reports, 18% of low-income renters have less than $250 to spend after they pay rent to live off that week. $250 to live off. So when you take into consideration the cost to have a telephone, pay electricity, buy some food. Anyone shopped at Coles lately? Pretty damn expensive, right? All of a sudden, there is no money left at the end of the day, right? 47% of low-income households have less than $500 a week left after paying their rent. Now, think about that. Again, the cost to run a car, to pay petrol, to get on the train, to, uh, and we are talking households, households of, you know, the average household size, 2.7 people, sharing $500 for the week. That is ultimately ridiculously not a lot of money, 47%. So Cairns, if we took that example, 42% of people are low income earners, then we halve it again, which makes 20% of Cairns ultimately broke, broke. So we have to avoid this like the plague people. We have to go and find equitable real estate marketplaces. Now, it is, and I probably put you in a terrible mood. Are you guys depressed? Have I depressed everyone? 
I don't want to depress you. I want to warn you. I am your early warning system to buy in equitable marketplaces where your tenants have a bit of money so you can put the rent up, so you can leave the rat race, so you can get where you want to go faster in life rather than relying on the bottom end of town, which is typically where a lot of property investors shop. Why do they shop there? Because things are cheap and cheap is ultimately not the best thing to do for property investors. It can be a little bit of full scroll. But we are seeing some fantastic opportunities in the market right now. And I do want to finish on a high note, not a low note. Rates are fantastically low and it is creating the opportunity for people to leave the rental pool. So inequality has been gifted a get-out-of-jail-free card. Inequality can be solved. And right now, with the cash rate at 0.25%, really, if people want to take the opportunity to borrow money, and give property ownership a go, they should. We've got state and federal bonuses, government grants, which are helping people with huge amounts of money get into the marketplace. I remember when I bought my first property, the first homeowner grant was $7,000. Today, you can get a grant of $25,000 from federal government and fairly well clean up another twenty dollars to $25,000 from state governments in the form of booths and the avoidance of tax like stamp duty. Fifty dollars to $65,000 on offer to join a different part of the wealth sector. Remember, Australia is being split in two, a have-and-have-not society. The more people we can reach out to and help get into the rise of the good part of the middle class is what we want to see as society because if they earn more, it's kind of a circular economy. If they're more prosperous, you're more prosperous. We have extremely low rates. We are not seeing desperate sellers take to the market because of coronavirus. Ultimately, which is a word I really do use too much, I'm going to rule that out. I'm going to wear something on my forehead which says, don't say ultimately. But for the last time, the history of podcasts, ultimately, we are seeing that real estate is holding itself together in coronavirus. We haven't seen losses. We haven't seen gains, which is a really good thing. And a lot of that is to do with the fact that the mortgage repayments are so low, pretty well rents can take care of business for the time being. And historically, even though there are job losses occurring right now, we are seeing the rise of unemployment. Generally, unemployment is a signal or the rise of unemployment is actually a signal that the market is going through a cycle, typically using past data to look at the rise of the jobless rate. We've actually seen capital growth occur after the jobless rate has risen past data, perhaps future performance. Without question, though, the government is doing the spending for us. 
The Australian government is writing checks left, right and centre to build confidence, build industries and transform the economy of Australia through this pandemic. So real estate is a big rock and real estate is something that will continue to grow in value. Today, my argument is to make sure if you are going to be a property investor, you invest sustainably. Remember the ability to do something for the longer term. To do that, you want equitable real estate markets, not inequitable markets where the likelihood of your investment is now higher to fail than succeed. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I've enjoyed presenting it to you. Until next time, Sam Saggers here, signing off. I will catch you soon to crack more codes of real estate wealth. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.